The following panel was featured at the 16th Annual National Jewish Retreat in Miami, Florida, a project of the Rohr Jewish Learning Institute. We hope you enjoy it. We encourage you to visit jretreat.com for information on upcoming retreats. Wow, Women of Wonder, a panel discussion with Mrs. Leah Rosenfeld, Mrs. Hani Lipsker, and Mrs. Hanna Kalmanson, moderated by Mrs. Tanya Khazanov and introduced by Mrs. Shandy Jacobson. Okay, good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. We have a very wonderful special session here today, and I just would like to open up and say that this is one of the sessions that is hosted by the Rosh Hodesh Society, the Women's Division of JLI. We welcome all of you here. We hope you enjoy every moment. And I am going to give the floor over to a very special group of women, and you will hear from all of them in a moment. I just would like to introduce you to our moderator, Mrs. Tanya Hazanov from New Haven, Connecticut, who is actually the host and the beautiful face and beautiful voice behind a very special podcast, Human and Holy. She is also actually in the midst of building a, an online women's community. And it's going to be something very special. So you can find out more about that a little bit later. Sit back, enjoy. And I want to tell you, this is going to be a very, very special journey. Fasten your seatbelts because you're going to get an amazing trip into the lives of three powerhouse, amazing women who will, you will not be the same when you walk out of this room. Thank you all for joining us. Hi, everyone. This is exciting. Today's conversation is going to be rapid fire style. So questions are going to be short and rapid. We're going to peel back the curtain a little bit on the technicalities of their busy lives as shluchos, leaders, teachers, parents, etc., to just get a little bit of the background of what, what it takes to keep the machine running. So I would like to start by asking everyone to introduce themselves, tell us your name, and quickly a little bit about you. Hannah, let's start with you. I am Hannah Kalmanson. I am a shlucha. I'm a shlucha in London, and I am a mom, a wife, a teacher. Um, I love studying uh, Hasidic mysticism <laughs> and growing and learning about um, God and how we connect and bringing our light into the world. Nice. Hi, my name is Hani Lipsker. Should I give you a little background? Yeah. I was born in Paris, France. My parents were running the border from Russia to France. We were born there. And in 1954, we came to Brooklyn, to the United States, to be close to the Lubavitcher Rebbe and to the community there, our dream and our aspirations. Um, I'm a wife, Baruch Hashem. I'm a mother, a grandmother, and a great-grandmother to four little beautiful girls. Uh, I'm a shlucha in uh, Bell Harbor and have been the Rebbe's emissary for the past 53 years. 
She doesn't look 53, so that's hard to believe, right? <laughs> this is my aunt. My name is Leah Rosenfeld, and I am, most importantly, a wife and a mother to seven children. I also have, I guess, the greatest privilege of my life is that I am a Chabad Shlucha in Lake Worth, Florida. That's Palm Beach County. And I've been there for 17 years, I think. Not nice. as impressive, but <laughs> working, working hard. All right, Hannah. What we're, okay, so what we're going to do, just to the panelists, I'm going to ask one question. Only one person will answer. I think this is a little close. There we go. Better? Yeah. I'm going to ask one question, and only one person will answer it, just to, you know, keep it fast and fun. So, Hannah, if you can start just by sharing, what is the story of your first name, and who were you named after? My name is Hannah. The first, sorry. I was named after Rebbe's and Hannah, the Rebbe's mother. And I um, absolutely love this name because uh, the Rebbe taught something about the meaning of the name Hannah. Hannah stands for the three um, mitzvahs. It's an acronym of the three mitzvahs, Chala, Nida, and Hadlakot Nerot, um, the three mitzvahs of the woman. And um, really connecting to the energy that a woman has and her power in this world as they are manifest through lighting Shabbos candles, baking challah, and observing the mitzvah of Taras and Mishpacha um, is a very deeply empower, empowering uh, idea and something I really connect with. Wow. That's really beautiful. Thank you. Mrs. Lipsker, where did you grow up and what was it like? Where did I grow up? Yes. I grew up in Paris. We lived in a chateau with many other families. And depending on how many children were in the family, that's the way they would earmark the proper room accommodations. It was quite interesting. Uh, the men would go out to try to find some sort of work, and the woman would sit in the grassy, in a, in a little field overlooking flowers and grass, and they would knit, and they would sew, and the children would romp around. And honestly, I remember, I remember the chateau. I remember going up a long flight of stairs that my sister, wearing my mother's high heels, actually once fell down all those stairs. But it was, um, it was nice. It was very nice. We were surrounded by a lot of wonderful kids and families, and it was uh, very enjoyable. My name, by the way, is also Hannah. And since this Hannah was very gracious in expressing the meaning of the name, I don't have to do that, but just to tell you that I was named for my paternal grandmother, who was an extremely special woman living in Russia, taking care of all the poor people. They lived on a farm, and she was able to make milk and butter and cheese and take care of so many of the needy. So I was very privileged to carry her name. I am very privileged to carry her name. Beautiful. Leah. What was your schooling like? What subjects did you study? And what did you enjoy about it? So I went to, for, from when I was a, child, a baby until 11th grade, I went to a school called Landau Yeshiva. For those who are living in the South Florida community, it's now, it's now called LEC. And it was, when I was growing up, it was a tiny school. There were, there's now like, I don't know, 5,000 kids there. There were maybe 30 or 3,000, I don't know numbers, but... <laughs> But now, when I was growing up, there were maybe 30 kids, and like 6th, 7th, and 8th grade were combined. The beauty of it was that we were all like a family. Any of 
the girls or even the families that grew up during that time that South Florida was a tiny little community, we feel like sisters. Like we're very, all the families are very close and the girls are very close. The subjects I enjoyed most were probably um, Jewish mysticism, Hasidus. And in 12th grade, I went to Chicago for that like powerful, passionate year of real growth. And those are the subjects. Nice, thank you so much. Khana, what did you do for fun as a teenager? What did you do for, hmm? better? Okay. What did you do for fun as a teen teenager? And I'll add young adult too, if, if you know, you don't remember, if you blacked out in your teenagers. <laughs> um, I, I loved making art. Uh, art was something I discovered uh, as a teenager. I loved making art. I loved making um, backdrops for plays and coordinating, coordinating plays when I was a little older. Um, creative expression, really. Nice. Love it. All right, Mrs. Lipsker, how did you spend your summer vacations growing up? My summer vacations? <laughs> Well, my parents would take us out to uh, the Catskill Mountains, and we had um, a lot of fun there, I have to say. My parents worked all week, and my mother would actually prepare all the food for the week. They would leave us in the bungalow colony uh, for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and I'm the second oldest in the family uh, as a girl. So I took on a tremendous amount of responsibility where all the food in the refrigerator and all the food that had been cooked needed to be finished. And uh, it was an exciting time because I became, I was 12, 13, well, 11, 12, 13, 14, until I went off to camp. But all those years really prepared me for, for uh, a nurturing type of a character because I was there for my four under my three siblings younger than me and even my older brother. So it was a, a lot of fun and a lot of responsibility. Wow. Nice. That's how we can tell. Now that's the thing that aged you because only 70 years ago because they leave a 12-year-old babysitting four other kids. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> All right. Leah, who have been your role models and what about them do you admire? Um... My role models. Well, for sure, Khani, just because she's sitting on stage, I'm going to mention her. <laughs> we, we, were going, we were going, growing up, they have, if anyone has been to Pearl Harbor, there's a magnificent show there. When I was growing up, we used to go to try to help fill the building because there was nobody else there. And I remember, I remember thinking, like, you know, you see this, the growth of this, you know, it used to be behind the garbage dump and then it moved to something a little bit nicer, a storefront. You know, I was seven, I brought the average date, age down to 73. <laughs> so, growing up in that environment really kind of pushed me towards the direction of my life. We were a very, very close family. Um, my, mother, my mother and Hani's husband are brothers and sisters, and we went a lot to each other for Shabbos and, and the holidays, and I feel that that definitely, together with my parents, impacted the life that I chose to live myself. Yeah, wow. Showed you what was possible. Ah, sweet. <laughs> All right, Khana. As a child, what kind of newspapers and books did you have in your home? And did you read them? <laughs> or 
Yes, actually, that's the question. <laughs> Did you read them? That's it. Period. I read everything I could get my hands on. Okay. <laughs> um, my parents tried keeping only Jewish content um, magazines and books in our house. Uh, any like National Geographic was something that made it home sometimes, and I really, really enjoyed that. Reader's Digest, if anybody remembers that. I don't know if it still exists. I was in the bathroom. <laughs> That's it. Thank you. We have a reader. Readers are leaders. Okay, well, here we have one. Uh, Mrs. Lipsker, what did you want to be when you grow up, grew up, and what options when you were younger seemed open or closed to you? It's a big one. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest, when I was in high school, well, my mother was, she played a very, very impressive role in my life, I have to say. So what my mother did was she designed women's suits. So I was watching her as I was growing up. And one of the things that I thought that I wanted to do is go to um, FIT, Fashion Institute of Technology, and learn the skill. Because my mother never wanted me to learn how to sew. She made all my dressy clothing as a little girl and growing up, but she didn't want me to learn how to sew. She wanted me to learn and to teach and to do other things. So I said, I'm gonna go to Fashion Institute. So my mother said, Fashion Institute for a base Rifka girl? I don't think so. I'll go with you. We'll do this together. And my father was not pro the idea at all, but they agreed if my mother went along, that would be a good idea. So we went for an interview at the Fashion Institute of Technology and uh, walked around the, the campus and walked into one particular room. And when we saw there what we saw, I walked out and I never had to pursue that or did. So my passion, that was one of my passions, which never happened. And my other passion was, was teaching. And as a little girl, my two sisters and myself would line up all the dining room chairs and we would play school, teacher and student. So I was doing that since I'm a kid, quite young, and I knew that I always had a dream of one day being a teacher, which I did eventually become, and I've been teaching, I could say, since I graduated high school and seminary, I've been teaching all these years. Oh, wow. Okay, Leia, how did you meet your husband? <laughs> so I'm sure many of you are familiar with the whole shidduch uh, matchmaking process but ours was I guess non-conventional in the sense that we didn't go through a typical shadchan matchmaker my husband's um, my husband's grandfather's sister married my grandmother's brother we're not related don't try to figure it out we just share one line of relatives. So she knew him, she knew me. I also, you know, my husband has an aunt in Miami. My aunt is my husband's cousin and sister. For a few directions, <laughs> a lot of intermarriage going on. Um, there was a lot of people who knew both of us and thought, rightfully so, that it would be a fabulous idea for us to meet. So I was living in Florida. He's from Israel, from Svat. Mm. And he came, he was learning in New York at the time. And he came to Florida to, to meet me. And um, the, I guess the arrangement was that, like, you know, if we were to continue, maybe I would fly to New York. But 
on the first date, I'd made sure to, it was December time. I'm like, isn't it amazing to date in Florida? Like you can walk around, you could be outside. So I think I had him convinced because, you know, we went out a few times and when he, when it was time to, he went back to New York, we made the decision that we're going to continue dating. He came back to Florida again and um, the rest is history, I guess. Nice. So that's how we met. Awesome. Thank you for sharing. Hannah, on the same topic, what was your courtship and wedding like? What was your courtship? Courtship. <laughs> what was the dating process for you? <laughs> what was the dating process for you and what was your wedding like? So I'm going to kind of answer the previous question as well because okay. it informs my courtship. Love. Um, my high school best friend is my sister-in-law. She set me up with her brother. Um, and I spent quite a bit of time at my in-laws out of town home during high school for Shabbasim and got to know them as a family in an incredibly neutral, wonderful way. Uh, they got to know me. And then when she suggested the idea, it was kind of like once we agreed to go out, was very just like getting to know someone you already know. Mm. Um, so there was like a familiarity and it's like, wow, nice to finally meet you. Um, it was a short courtship. Uh, we, we went out over three weeks um, and got engaged and got married four months later. Um, the wedding was beautiful. It was full of family and friends and was moving on to one of, you know, one of the most important new stages in my life. And it was beautiful. Nice. Thank you. Very sweet. Do you mind if I uh, answer that as well? <laughs> You're like, I have a story. <laughs> yeah, you can answer it's, that it, as it well. Is very interesting. <laughs> Go for it. Uh, no, it's not a love story. Not a love story. A different kind of story. So my mother-in-law, God bless her, who is Baruch Hashem till 180, 101 years old, is my father's first cousin. So that means I'm married to my second cousin. And my mother-in-law, who lived in Toronto, she would come at every occasion when they came to Brooklyn from Toronto, she would always visit our home because she was coming to visit my cousin, which was very important to her. And this is what she would say. I have three sons that are of eligible age one day. She had four, but she was not talking about the baby. One of them, you're gonna marry. And I heard that from her repeatedly over and over and over again. And Baruch Hashem, she was right. One of them worked out. <laughs> oh, that's great. Her mother also had one and only amazing daughter who happens to be my mother. Oh, sweet. And she's sitting right there. <laughs> and it's Hani's favorite sister-in-law. If I... And not only that, uh, she knew that I liked her brother. So it was a very interesting story. <laughs> to be told privately. Okay. You can find her after the session for the, the real juicy details. Um, okay, so since you are sitting next to your aunt, what words of wisdom have your grandmothers, aunts, or a older, the older generation in your life imparted on you? So I'm going to go back to my grandmother, who kind of her is 101, and um, lives with my parents, so we get to spend a lot of time with her anytime we go visit. And one major thing she taught me amongst many 
is that she shares a story in where she was in Russia and saving her father's life. Basically, he was about to sit down. It was frozen. There was a siege. There was no hung. There was no food, and um, she had to carry him over a bridge. And he, he, she knew if he sat down, he would pass away. So she put him on her shoulders, and she describes herself. She's small. She's like I was a small little girl carrying a man on my shoulders, but I knew I just have to put one foot in front of the other. And throughout life, that's what she did. She doesn't. She had a hard life. She had many losses. Um, she is the only surviving member of her family, but for many years, like before she returned on, at 101, it doesn't sound like such a big deal. She lost a child, but she always puts one foot in front of the other. She never allows the tragedy and trauma in her life to define her. She creates the life that she wants to live and honestly makes everybody else around her um, feel, you know, everybody who comes in always lost weight or looks 10 years younger, or you look like a, you know, she's, she's just, she's so positive. And when she puts one foot in front of the other, it's not just for herself, she helps everyone around her do the same thing. Wow, powerful, thank you. Hannah, who is a Jewish woman that is or was ahead of her time and that inspires you and how? Um. That's a tough question. Which Jewish woman wasn't ahead of her time? But um, just one woman that comes to mind immediately is uh, Sarah, the first Jewish woman, who really, really embodied what, what it means to be a Jewish woman. Um, this is something that we see in the, the energy that she left and the, the special things that happened in her tent that were incredibly unique, the candles that remained lit all week, the challah that remained fresh all week, and the cloud that hovered above her tent, these were manifestations of the power of a Jewish woman in its full, beautiful, visible, physical uh, expression in a way that we're still trying to aspire to. Mm, nice. That's really beautiful. Mrs. Lipsker, <laughs> I found the perfect question for you. <laughs> Can you describe a time in your life when you felt that you were ahead of the time? And what was that? Yes. Okay. So now I'm 19 years old, coming to Miami Beach. After growing up in a convent-like setting, what I mean by that is Beis Rivka is a school for all girls living in Crown Heights. And my association with the male population were my uncles and my first cousins that we grew up with. And we arrive on Miami Beach and I'm thrust into a new life. And I need to teach and I need to make an impact. I need to inspire. And we began this, this journey and um, it, it, was, it was very challenging for me. It really was and I remember that at one time I was uh, asked to give a particular class. And the women that were going to be attending were college graduates, much older than I, sophisticated women. And I remember saying to my husband, how am I meant to do this? I graduated high school. I went to teacher seminary, had a lot of experience in Brooklyn working for a wonderful organization uh, called Syria Agudas Chabad that hosted Pegisha, which was encounters with students and 
professors and rabbis. So I had a lot of experience that way, but this was a completely different world that I was thrust in, into. And um, so I, I remember saying to my husband vividly, I don't know how to do this. So he was 22, I was 20 at that time, and this is what he said to me. Just remember that the women that are coming to listen to you want what you have. And, and that quieted me and I, I relaxed because my entire life, my entire upbringing, the Hasidic philosophy of our lives were, was to teach and to give whatever you can and being inculcated in that type of a setting and environment and having that vote of confidence from my husband, I went out there and I did what I needed to do. And this comes up very, very often. Uh, when we started in our synagogue 41 years ago, we founded a community, you can say. And um, founding that community, again, was fraught with hardships. For the first three years of our being there, we never ate at home. Every Friday night, we had a Shabbaton. And the purpose of those Shabbatons was to introduce Shabbos, the sanctity, the beauty, and, the, and to have a passion for Shabbos. So anybody that wanted to come would come to this little motel where we had our Shabbatons, and each person at the table was asked to do one of three things, either to share a word of Torah, and in the early years it was almost impossible to have anyone do that, to share a Jewish experience, or perhaps to take upon themselves a mitzvah. And what we found was, as these young people that came, they got married within the community, many of them, a lot of Shaduchim, Baruch Hashem, and they started homes of their own. This is what they're all doing in their own homes. So there are many Shabbatons going on throughout our entire community that wow. have evolved from this, and I think that was pretty much ahead of the time. It was nice. challenging, but with the help of the Rebbe and the passion that we have for doing the mission that we were sent out on, Baruch Hashem. Nice. Leah, how has your shluchas, your work as a Chabad Rebbitzin, impacted you as a human being? And do you ever look back and wonder how you made the commitment as a young person? So it made me a much more confident person because it makes no sense that two babies should move into a community not knowing anybody, not necessarily having all the skills that they need because you need lots of skills from lots of different professions to you know, be begin this adventure. And somehow, the Rebbe instilled within us this confidence that we can do it. You don't have to, you know, have any other qualification except the passion to make this world a better place and make it into a more godly place and, and bring Mashiach. So I feel like there were times in my life, and I, I learned a lot of this from my husband, where, like, I walk into a room, and it might have been a stressful or uncomfortable situation, and... I'm like, I'm a shluch of the rabbi. I have nothing to be afraid. I'm not representing me. I have, a much, I, have a, I have much greater shoulders than I'm standing on. And I've never once in my life looked back and said, maybe this was the wrong uh, thing to look into. In fact, when I was seven, uh, or no, I was 12 years old by Gimel Tamas, this was also before there was child services coming into people's homes, and everyone dropped my aunts, uncle, they dropped their little kids off. I, I was 12 and I was watching them. They all went to New York. Nobody was thinking. And <laughs> I was babysitting. And um, 
I remember then, that night, when I heard my parents making phone arrangements in, with tears, I remember thinking then that for my life, this is what I'm going to be committing to, to making this world into a place that the Rebbe would feel proud of me and God would find a home. So it's been such a privilege, not Beautiful. something that I've ever looked back on. Thank you. Okay, now that everyone is sufficiently warmed up, we're going to start to go really fast. Are you guys ready? So what I want is, it's going to be rapid. Two-sentence responses, maybe like 15 to 20 seconds, just immediately what comes to mind and like what you would impart in those two sentences on this question. I'll start with you, Hana. You get to start. When do you pray and what does prayer mean to you? I pray all the time. Sorry, I pray all the time. Um, prayer means talking to God and connecting with the deepest part of myself. Love it. Thank you. Mrs. Lipsker, describe the last time you truly felt inspired at synagogue, at shul. My, my greatest moment in shul is uh, Yom Kippur Ni'ila. Mm. When the shul fills up with, um, I would say, about a thousand people and wow. children, and they scream at the very, very end, Hashem Hu Elohim, seven times. Beautiful. And every child is involved. It just... It wow. reverberates all year round. Beautiful. Leah, do you view physical intimacy as a spiritual experience? And why or how? It is the most spiritual experience, different than any other religion where it's shunned as you know, a necessary evil. It's the only way we can actually, in a physical way, bring God into our personal relationship. So if we do it right with the right person at the right time, it's the most spiritual experience a human can have. Beautiful. Thank you. Hannah, if you won the lottery, what cause would you support? <laughs> Come on, plug your plug All your the place. Chabad houses everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and mothers. Okay. <laughs> uh, Mrs. Lipsker. If a friend was going through a crisis and you can just impart something in two sentences, what would you say? If a friend was going through a personal crisis and she was like, I just need two lines to hold on to. I'm here for you. Sometimes all you have to do is just be present. You don't always have to offer advice. I don't think that that's what they're looking for. Just the knowledge that you are there anytime any time that they feel that they would need to reach out. Beautiful. Thank you. Leah, what makes a mensch? Somebody who actually, a mensch means a human, a, a person, somebody who transcends their humanity. Mm. Nice. Thank you. Hana, has feminism impacted your life? And if yes, how? Hasidic feminism has impacted my life radically. Um, transformed my life and helped me understand how Gula looks and is possible. Beautiful. Thank you. Mrs. Lipsker, what does Israel mean to you? I'm going to date myself. I was born in 1948, so as such, mm -hmm. automatically I had that identification. The only place I ever want to travel to is Israel. I love everything about it even governments that are messed up, but it's our land, it's our country. Passion runs through my veins for Israel. Nice. Leah, tell us something you love about Shabbos. 
I love disconnecting from everything else and connecting with the things that are most important in our lives, family, God, and even the deepest part of ourselves when we actually get the time to think because we could put the other stuff away. Beautiful. Thank you. Hana, how do you engage in repairing the world in Tikkun Olam? Um, I learned that the best way to repair the world is first to look inward and work on yourself. So that's how I start, and it spills over into my family and my community and hopefully, hopefully the world. Mm, I love that. Nice. Mrs. Lipsker, what is your perspective on anti-Semitism today? My perspective? Yes. Well, it's everywhere. Uh, it has always been there. Esav, Sonei, Yaakov is nothing new. And I think that the only way that we can deal with it is by sharing more love and care am amongst ourselves because you can't er eradicate evil just as you cannot. Evil doesn't really exist. It's out there, but it doesn't exist. If you spend your time thinking positive thoughts and doing positive deeds, the darkness will melt away. Beautiful. Okay. If you could meet anyone from Jewish history, who would it be and why? I would probably meet my namesake. Um, my name is Devorah Leah. I'm named after Rebetzin Devorah Leah, who is the Alter Rebbe, the founder of the Chabad movement, his, his daughter, and she sacrificed her life uh, for the continuity of Chassidus. My birthday is actually the 19th of Kislev, which is the day of um, liberation of her father. So that's why my parents named me what they named me, but I feel like I, I've always felt a very strong connection, not just to my name, but to my namesake. It's a lot to give up your life. She had a kid. So I just, I'm intrigued by her story, and I feel like I would want to meet her. Beautiful. Thank you. Hana, if, a ch if children could learn a single lesson from Jewish tradition, what do you think it should be? That they are a divine spark in this world, and as long as they stay connected to that in themselves and in the way they relate to everything, that's it. Beautiful, thank you. Mrs. Lipsker, kind of on a similar vein, what is one thing that you wanted to impart on your children growing up? To impart to my children? Yes, your children. I would want to impart to my children that they should be true to themselves but at the same time, never forget where they come from and what their tradition is so that they could make positive and, and significant decisions in their lives. Beautiful. Leah, being as busy as you are with all of your responsibilities, do you ever feel overwhelmed? And if yes, how do you cope with the overwhelm? No, I'm superhuman. <laughs> <laughs> I never feel overwhelmed. <laughs> How do you cope with the overwhelm? <laughs> so, of course, there are times in my life where I feel overwhelmed. If anybody knows Hebrew school teachers, I'm desperately looking. But um, in those moments, I know that my life right now is exactly how Hashem planned it for me. And if he gave me these responsibilities, clearly... He gave me the ability to be able to work through them or accomplish them. And that really gives me, it literally gives me physical strength. I'm like, okay, if it's in my plate, that means I can eat it or handle it or deal with it. Oh, sweet. Hannah, 
Do you ever wish you could be a rabbi or a cantor? <laughs> why or why not? No. Okay. Um, I've learned that the more I connect with my own power, the less I want to be something that I'm not. So the more I get to know myself and the way I, I shine specifically as a Jewish woman, as a leader in my community, as a shlucha, um, I don't need to be anything else. Nice. Mic drop. Mrs. Lipsker, what do you think about self-care and is it a part of your life? Should I say what I really think? <laughs> or what I actually do? Only the unfiltered <laughs> truth. Self-care. I think it's important. Um, we have to remember self-care has so many different connotations. So if we're talking about personal health, uh, we're obligated by the Torah, you have to take care of your health. Very important. Uh, uh, self-care meaning exercise, meaning uh, time out. All those are very important. I need to work a little harder at it for myself. Nice. Thank you. Leah, is there a mitzvah that you feel passionate about or connected to, and what is it? There's two. One is learning Torah. Nice. I feel that connecting to Torah literally gives you the answers to everything in your life. Everything's in it, and the more you learn, the more at peace you feel with who you really are. And also... There's tons of mitzvahs under this category, but helping others, being there, obviously, Yisrael, which is, I guess, the backbone of what we do, because that's back to being a mensch. When you transcend yourself, it just makes your life a much happier one. Nice. Thank you. Chana, how did you decide which names to give your children? <laughs> um... It was, it was, it was Nevoah, it was divinely inspired. Um, each, each one, you know, their, their date of birth, the people um, that we wanted to sort of live with, to remember, um, that we wanted to give them the, the energy of. Um, so named after grandparents, um, and Rabbeim, and Rebbitons. Nice. Thank you. Mrs. Lipsker, when you got married, did it bother you to have to cover your hair? Yes. It wasn't hard at all. But I do remember the first day after we got married, we went over to my parents' home, and I went into one of the bedrooms, and I took off my chaton, and I took a walk into the dining room. And my father looked at me and he said, where's the shaitel? I said, ta. And I had learned about all this, but I'm home with you and ma. There's nobody else here. So he said, my dear child, go put it back on. And I can honestly say that I put my wig on in the morning and I take it off before I go to bed at night. It's on my head all day. And my days are long. <laughs> Leah, what is a dream that you have to one day achieve with your partner? So funny that you're asking that about this dream. I'm just going to circle back to, because you mentioned my partner, and I'm going to share a quick story. When I named my fifth child, her name is Sarah. She's named, oh, I shouldn't have said that. But I wanted to name my daughter after my grandmother. Uh, we named after the, my, 
we already did what we could name in terms of the rebellion. And um, my husband wanted to name after his great grandmother. And at that point, at that point, thank God, all of his grandparents were alive. And I'm like, what do you mean? Uh, you know, I wish I had my grandparents and I didn't have the names. I understand that you want to give a name for your family, but right now they all belong to me. Um, thank God I have one living grandmother. And I knew that right after our baby, it's stressful. So I called up my mashvia and I shared this whole situation about how he, he wants to name after a great grandmother. I want to name it after my grandmother. Of course, the grandmother comes first, even though I already got two names. And um, she's listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she says, I says, what do you think? She's like, let him have the name. I'm like, hello. I mean, did you not hear my point? And she said, yeah, but you're the one who's calling me. So I can give him advice. You want peace in your home? Let him have the name. She was named on a Friday. My husband came back from Shul. I said, what's her name? He said, Sarah, I named it after your grandmother. So I guess that's the, the main relation is always do what your wife wants. But when we're looking for achieving dreams with our partner, like, let him have the name. You're the one who's calling me, mm. you know? Because you want to be right. But it's not, that, you know, it's not really the way to create dreams. Nice. Thank you. Khana, when did you know that you wanted to be a community leader? Um, from when I was a very little girl, I grew up um, right next to 770 and um, had the privilege of being um, a child in the Rebbe's uh, neighborhood in the Rebbe's shadow. And it was just um, incredibly inspiring. I wanted to be part of what the Rebbe was building. I wanted to be part of the Rebbe's army. Wow. Mrs. Lipsker, what national events have significantly impacted your life? What national events have significantly impacted your life? You might find this a little strange, but for me it wasn't. It was actually the assassination of President Kennedy. Because I was a teenager at the time, and many of you were not even born. President Kennedy was shot, and it, it brought the horror of the reality of of hatred to take down the leader of the free world. But what impressed me more, most, was the, the behavior of the First Lady. She was dignified. She was stoic. She showed us what a leader needs to do. A leader needs to pick up the pieces, regardless of how challenging they are, and move on and do what's right. The entire country was destroyed and heartbroken. He was a very beloved president, believe it or not. He was a very beloved president. And when, he, when, when Jackie Kennedy picked up those pieces and took her two little children by the hand to the funeral, and you saw the dignity with which she walked and carried herself, strength as a true leader, I think it did have a, an impact on my life about what leadership really means, that you transcend your own emotions, your own challenges, and you do what a leader needs to do. Thank you. Leah, can you tell us if and how technology has impacted yours and your family's life? For positivity, it keeps us very well connected. I have a sister who does the same thing I do, but in a much more distant place. She lives in Turkey, Istanbul, Turkey. Um, yes, there are many Jews there. And um, we used to have to call with calling cards, and now like we can call on WhatsApp, and I video her, and we see each other. and. So, and also I feel like in disseminating Torah and spreading, you know, marketing our Chabad events, it has made life extremely 
it's an extremely powerful tool, but like anything, anything that's extremely powerful and positive has the capability to also take over our life in a negative way. So it's definitely something that I work on. It's good to be on this table and not have a phone with me, and it's not Chavez. Nice. <laughs> it's a treat. Okay, thank you, everyone. We're going to end with one last question that everyone will answer. Can you give us a 60-second synopsis of your day, essentially? A 60-second synopsis of an average day in the life for them. We will we'll give Hannah a break. We'll start with Leah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you were not expecting that. <laughs> this one can be, you know, a little bit more extensive. Like, we have... Which day? Sunday, Monday, Tuesday? <laughs> <laughs> Choose your favorite. Which day do you want? <laughs> so um, a lot of what I do is teaching. So we teach teens, I teach kids. So on a Tuesday, I'll be preparing for Hebrew school, speaking to my Hebrew teachers, getting phone calls that they're not showing up because they have a flat tire, and then preparing for their class. Um, in the middle of that, we'll definitely meet somebody for lunch. Some, some people, you know, are, are, any of our lives are intertwined with our community's lives. So we're not just teaching. We're also dealing with whatever it is that's going on in their lives, whatever, whatever positive or, God forbid, the opposite, would be happening. So you might be going to a funeral or a bar mitzvah the morning that you're doing the teen class and and the preparing for camp and preparing for something next week or the Hanukkah celebration or dealing with officials or, or even zoning uh, things if you're dealing with a building. So like I said in the beginning, our job spans a lot of spectrums, a lot of skill sets, and somehow the Rebbe believed that we could manage it all. And every day incorporates baking and uh, architectural work and therapy and educational stuff. So it, it's what's nice is that it never gets boring because every yeah. day has a lot of different elements. Nice, thank you, Mrs. Lipsker. Same question. Yes. So when we went out uh, out onto into the big world, the Rebbe gave us the most beautiful blessing, and he said to us, "Ich formedaich." Translated, "I'm going with you." So knowing that, all the challenges that we have, we know that the Rebbe is with every single one of us, not just the official shluchim, so-called, but with every single one of us. So a typical day, I started doing this most recently. My day begins with a 7.30 o'clock in the morning when my son gives an amazing class uh, on my marim of the Rebbe. So I start my day at 7.30 in the morning till 8.15. I have had a piece of a mimer, and, and after that he does the full chitas, the chumash, the tehillim, the chumash, the tanya, and the hayom yom, and then I do my own tehillim. So once I've done that, I feel like I had a jump start, a spiritual jump start, to get going and do the nitty-gritty of what a shlucha is involved in. As Leah said, it's a tumultuous time in our lives because... As our communities grow, the needs of the community grow, and with that come the highs and the lows. You know, my mother-in-law always says that life is like a cardiogram. It's up and it's down, but our days are like that. We go to shivas and funerals, but we also have the joy of going to weddings and brisim and kiddushim and things like that. And then we have the responsibility of listening to our community members and trying to meet their needs as best as we can. It's not always easy. It's, 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 quite, it's quite challenging, and sometimes it's very painful. Uh, I try really hard to attend every simcha in the community, and as we have grown really exponentially in the past few years, 
There are a lot of Simchas Baruch Hashem somehow to mitigate the tragedies that we also have. And uh, I prepare for my class. I actually do a lot of preparation. And I'm loving, loving the preparation as much as I'm loving the teaching. And that wasn't always the case. Nice. Chana, due to time, I'm going to spin this one a little differently. Five words to describe your daily life. <laughs> no, that didn't help. You're like, it's going to take me a long time to think of that. <laughs> uh, it could be it's, a, a it's one sentence. Learning, teaching, mothering. Um, that was good. No, three words. I don't know what else. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> all the things. All right. Thank you all so much. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for sharing. Please visit myjli.com to learn more about JLI's multiple educational offerings and toracafe.com to view highlights and lectures from past retreats.